1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the RomaVerse. We're here for episode 102. The whole trio is here tonight. Brandon, uh, newly minted champion down in uh, the DC metro area. So congratulations to him. Straight off the pitch. Shit. I will Shut- say, unfortunately, he is wearing a city shirt and not a Roma shirt, but we'll, I guess we'll oh. let it go.
0: Look, okay. look, look. I got sealed tweets and I'm very vain. And so I have to wear this <laughs> city shirt. But shout out to Caffeine Kicks. We came down in PKs in the complete darkness. It was crazy, but uh, yeah, following in Roma's footsteps as Steven set off here.
1: I'm just glad Roma didn't have to go to PKs to win their title last year. Cause that would have been bad on the heart. <laughs> I would have died. I would have. Jim died. no, no trophy for you tonight, but hope you're doing well. I'm 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 surviving, man. I'm doing all right. <laughs> yeah. So we're recording uh, a little bit late on Tuesday night. This will probably go up later on Wednesdays so by the time you guys hear. It's about 48 hours after Roma's two, one win over Empoli in Tuscany. Not the easiest match that followed on the heels of a unexpected loss to Ludogorets Razgrad over in Bulgaria uh, to kick off the Europa League. I know Jim and I were speaking last time about the Europa League, and we thought not that Roma should cruise through the group, but that they should probably win the group. And you know, especially these kind of matches against Ludogorets and uh, the Helsinki matches should have been wins. So, how surprised were you guys that Roma dropped a? Dropped all three points out in Bulgaria to open the group stage.
2: I would say that given the injury issues that Roma was having, I was, I would, I was more, I was less surprised than I would have been if they had lost at full strength. Um, However, I'm still pretty surprised that they lost. Um, I think that the result didn't necessarily, I don't think that the better team necessarily won, but, that doesn't really matter now, does it? Like the three points were given to our opponent, not Roma. I still think that it's probably likely that Roma ends up winning the group. Uh, There are just enough bad clubs in the group that Roma should be able to rack up points. I will also note that the condition of that pitch that they were playing on was absolutely atrocious. As in, I saw before the match started that there was apparently a problem with Fungus Like, just making holes in the pitch. Like, it was that bad. So this is one of the pitfalls of being in the Europa League or the Europa Conference League, though, that you're playing either, you know, in the Arctic Circle or you're playing on a pitch that has no business being, like, a pitch where professionals play. Given that, yeah, it's disappointing that they lost. I'm glad that we were able to scrape out a win uh, against Empoli after that, because I would be very worried if we had had three losses in a row.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I was honestly pretty shocked. But at the same time, that that seems to be the type of games that we've come to drop over the years. You know, look at last year with Bodo. In the Conference League, it's the same formula. uh, Travel to a relatively obscure European country um, on a pitch you're not too much of a fan of and then end up losing the match. And I could be wrong here, but I think I saw a statistic that literatts hadn't won a europa league group stage match in some 17 odd tries or yeah i something. thought i
1: saw something like that
0: yeah yeah something to that effect and you know that's of course that's the team that roma lose to and um but on the heels of the udinese loss as well i think it's good to um you know get it out of the way get it out of the system um i think we touched on it a little bit last week on the pod where Maybe this comes at a good time uh, where you kind of can refocus and um, don't let your head get too high in the clouds. So it's unfortunate, especially with the two tough games against Batiste, uh coming up still. But I think Roma still have enough in the tank to to qualify for the knockout rounds.
1: Yeah, I think you make a good point about kind of – maybe staying level-headed. And I think the good thing is that one match was in the league, one match was in the Europa League, so it's not too hard to bounce back from one loss in each competition as long as you rebound like they did against Empoli. Not in the most, you know, eye-catching fashion, but uh, three points is then three points in the league, and we'll get to that. But, yeah, what Jimmy said was was important, too. I mean, they went with a very light roster. Tammy stayed back for precautionary reasons after he fell on his shoulder in that it Neze defeat. Karsdorp missed these two matches, so he had really no backup at right back. Zalewski ended up getting injured in this match. Um, and then missed the, the Empoli match yesterday. So it's, it's been rough. I mean, Mourinho is really balancing two competitions with his depth decimated already, right? We we lauded Roma and Pinto for building up the depth in the summer, and the depth is now gone. There There is no depth at the moment, at least, right? I mean, they're starting to get guys back, which is good. But the fact that Eldor Shimordov ended up being the guy who scored the tying goal that Roma then capitulated and gave up the, the winning goal just moments later... It just shows that Shimordov wasn't even supposed to be here anymore. He wasn't supposed to be part of the plans from what we were reading at toward the end of the summer. <clears throat> it ended up being Felix that left instead of him to make room for Belotti. But uh, definitely thin. I mean, the thing that worries me the most between the Udinese match, this match, and then even the, the Empoli match that they gave up the goal was the defending was suspect at times. The first goal, Cristante, I don't know what he was doing, tracking the runner, and then Smolin couldn't step up in time for the first goal. Second one, Ibanis didn't look great on it. I mean, the the goal yesterday against Empoli, Selic made a bit of a a mistake, losing track of his runner Valdinelli, when they tied that match up. So the Roma defense that was pitching shutouts early in the season is showing some cracks here, and it's kind of funny because we're playing, I, I guess, what you would call our quote unquote two defensive midfielders with Cristante and Matic all the time, but there there's an issue there because the, really the midfield has looked really unbalanced. I think.
2: Yeah, I would definitely say that we shouldn't be faulting Tiago Pinto for a lack of depth in the roster. I think that just, you know, shit happens, unfortunately. Uh, and some of those injuries that have affected the depth on the roster are short term, some of them are long term. But, you know, I think Mourinho himself said, we brought in Kamara when we could have brought in a center back because of the Album injury. Like you can't, you can't control for that. Like it, that was a great transfer from day one. And it's sad that he got a long-term injury, but we can't, you can't just predict the future on that. Um, I would also say that even beyond the importance of making sure that a bunch of players are actually being able to play uh when it comes to the starting 11, it's very clear, especially in midfield, as you said, Steve, that, Matic and Cristante are good players in my opinion, but that doesn't mean that they fit well together. I think that it's a whole lot easier for Mourinho in the long term when Kamara is really match fit um, for them to be kind of rotated in and out altogether. It'll be good for Matic too, because Matic is pretty old. And uh, I will also say that I've been pretty impressed by what I've seen from Eduardo Bove so far this season. Uh, and I think that I would not be shocked if by December or January, he was a part of the midfield rotation on a regular basis. So as much as there were definitely, are definitely some concerning signs about rotation in terms of availability and opportunity right now, I do see some in-house solutions that already exist. And I do think that, you know, as Zaniolo is able to come back from injury, um, and as Abraham is now back from injury and Karsdorp is back, like. Things will be getting better. Um, I think that we had an injury scare, but if you're following Roma and this is your first injury scare, you must have only been following for like two days. So,
1: I mean, get get used to it to a certain extent, you know. Yeah. Anybody who jumped on board with Mourinho last season, we were we were kind of spoiled by our standards in terms of staying healthy. We didn't we didn't deal with too many big ones besides all getting hurt at the Euros and then smoling here and there. We were we were fortunate, and they're piling up this season. Um, yeah, I think I was- before. Go ahead, Brandon.
0: No no I was going to say honestly I I totally had put out of my mind what it's like to experience the injury crisis that we often experience after last season um and going back to the Ludicoretz game quickly I think um I, with the uh, with the with the depth in particular um I had actually texted my buddy after after the match and I was like oh I Wonder who Mourinho is going to purge now, um, you know, following this loss. But Pinto's done such a good job trimming the fat that uh, there's not really anybody to purge. There's no
2: one there. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, shout out to the ghost of Shimurdov for coming out of nowhere and scoring that goal to um, seemingly steal a point for Roma. It's also very Roma to concede again directly after to, you know, snatch defeat from the jaws of a draw. Um, and i think going back to your point about the defense and them looking a little shaky um i think it's tied into the injury crisis to an extent with zaniolo being out just because with him being out for this extended period we clearly see the lack of dynamism in the attack that was mm-hmm. there when he was um on the field and so when you're missing that it gives teams more confidence to push forward when you don't have that threat in behind that zaniolo provides and that just Puts more pressure on the defense and then, you know, they're they're human. They're not um, robots. So there's bound to be mistakes here and there. And then we're unfortunately on the uh, receiving end of those mistakes. But I think once on yellow comes back and the offense starts clicking a little bit, we'll see something closer to what we saw the first few games with the defense.
1: Yeah, that, re- that release valve's not there. Even in the Salernitana match, he missed some big chances, but that threat was always there. kind of keeps the opposing defensive midfield on the heels on the counterattack, especially because Roma does not really seem to mind to absorb pressure in the way Mourinho has them set up. Um, I-, I wanted to go back to Bové for a second because Jimmy made a good point. Bové looks like he's, um, you know, making the most of his limited chances. He created the goal in that uh, Ludigretz match for Shmordov. He-, he got the ball to Pellegrini, who then got it to Shimordov for the tying goal. And then yesterday against Emily played about 10 minutes plus stoppage time. And the made a great save on him. Um, to, you know, toe tip of his toe going the opposite way, unlucky not to score. And he entered that match before Kamara, which I was a little surprised. At. I thought Kamara might've even gotten a chance to start that match. He came in in stoppage time. Bove, Bove seems to be, you know, like he's in the good graces of Mourinho. He's here for a reason. He stuck around for a reason, I think. And, uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see him a little bit more m- moving forward. Cause when I was doing the probable formations piece, I counted out the weeks of the Europa league. It's six Thursday night matches in a nine week span because the, the world cup kind of smushing everything together. And then even when that wraps up uh, the following week, there's a seventh midweek match against Sassuolo in 10 weeks. So it's, it's kind of just, you know, every week is two, two week matches, even with full depth available. I mean, Mourinho going to have to really manage the roster.
2: Yeah. I just want to add that, you know, There are plenty of reasons to raise an eyebrow at there being a winter World Cup in the first place. Um, We don't need to get into that here. But even if you take away any of the problems that people have with this particular World Cup at face value, uh, the sheer congestion in the match schedule that it's created for the top leagues in Europe is pretty despicable in terms of the injuries it's causing. Um, I think this is not just what we've talked about Roma's injury issues because this is a Roma podcast, but being a hundred percent real, we've been seeing a lot of injuries throughout the five major leagues that this is not just a Roma issue. This is not even just a Serie A issue. The, the fact of the matter is that top clubs are losing players to injury at a much higher pace this season because of how much more congested the math schedule is. And the people who lose out from that beyond the actual players getting injured are the fans and it's really sad to see. Um I hope that one of the takeaways looking forward for FIFA for the clubs is that the World Cup is a special thing and putting it in the winter and congesting the max ad- adding congestion to the match schedule really hurts all of the products involved including the World Cup.
1: Yeah, uh, agreed. So moving to yesterday's match against Empoli Roma was actually outpossessed uh, yet again, by a smaller side, fifty-three forty-seven. It, they don't mind seeding possession. We, we mentioned that. They try to exploit mistakes once the other team is kind of in their attack mode. But uh, Empoli, I mean, Roma in some ways was a little bit fortunate, I think, because Empoli had 21 shots, only three on target, which was the big thing. Their finishing was was far from good. Uh, Roma did win the XG battle, quote-unquote, 2.6 to 1.6, and the match 2-1. But in some ways, dodged a few bullets. Um, you know, the red late red card for Empoli, Still didn't really kill the match off. I think they had one chance after that. So a little nervy yesterday.
0: It shouldn't have been, but certain someone missed a certain PK. <laughs> yeah.
1: the hey, Brandon, missed... want to expand <laughs> on that? Want to expand on that? <laughs> Certainly could have
2: if killed the have match a off earlier. To talk your shit, Brandon. Now's <laughs> the time. Talk your shit.
0: I'm just saying, when you have Dybala on the pitch, I'm not really sure why we're giving Pellegrini pk duties at this point oh i don't um, agree by the way it, it makes I know, no he's sense captain. I know he's captain and you know pecking order and all that but the ball is clearly has the hot hand to some degree um based on his run of form lately and i think in the moment you have to go to him there just to kill the game off i know you know, we're playing the results game here and nine times out of 10, Pellegrini probably converts that. But I think at a point you really have to reassess who, what what's the pecking order on these PKs.
1: Well, Brandon, I have just the answer straight from the horse's mouth. Dybala post-match said, we usually decide on the spot. Lorenzo hadn't scored in a while, so we wanted him to regain some confidence back. Next time we'll decide also on the spot. So I guess he was trying to be a good teammate there, give it to the captain, try to, you know, Pellegrini hasn't been in the best form the past couple of weeks. Didn't work out here, you know. But I think you're right. I think nine times out of ten, Pellegrini does bear that. He ra- rarely misses from the spot, um, and just tough break and made the match a little bit nervier than it had to be at the end.
2: I will say that you know I'm more of a Pellegrini fan than others on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but I do think I I like it more when there is an established pecking order for a penalty kick. Uh, I I personally think that it should be there should be a set in stone order except unless somebody's about to go for a hat trick. Like, that's that's my one qualifier. Like, if a guy's at two goals and can get the third by hit, by scoring a penalty, yeah, give it to him. Otherwise, there are guys who are specialists at penalties, and DiBala is one of them, and I'd much rather have DiBala shooting a penalty than Pellegrini at this point. That's not to take away from Pellegrini's ability as a player, in my opinion. It's just that different great players have different skill sets.
0: I I feel like the... I think, I think in theory, I'm a fan of the penalty to boost confidence, but in practice, I don't know that it ever really works. Like just a few weeks ago, Hazard had a similar, uh, you know, penalty given to him by Benzema for Real Madrid and missed that one. And I think just, you know, that's a, that's one specific example, but I think generally, I feel like we see that those confidence boosting PKs don't really go to plan.
1: Yeah, it, it, it depends, right? If you make it, it kind of helps the confidence, I guess. You get you get the gold to your name. But if you don't, it could kind of backfire. I think you're right that because they go up there with so little confidence sometimes that it makes it even harder to make the PK. It's not, not so easy. It looks a lot easier than it is. Did Did you make yours tonight? Did you get to choose? I
0: was, I was just about to say somebody who <laughs> was aiming for the top corner. And I, I got it, you know top bins but it went straight through the middle so the keeper got a got a hand on it but uh we're, we're talking very small goals here so there wasn't much room for error <laughs> mm,
1: a likely story <laughs> a likely story yeah coincidence um, Okay. Um, in the Dybala comments though he did make a, a, a you know a remark that is music to Roman East years. he was talking about his uncertainty in the summer not having a team he said I was never afraid of the uncertainty I found the best place for me so that is a good sign because he is playing well. Three goals, two assists, I believe, between both competitions so far. Had a post yesterday before he scored his goal, assisted the second goal. So, I mean, Dybala, as good as advertised. And one thing I have to say before you guys go is I never realized the work rate that he has when he was on Juve because you think of him as a skill player, you know, gets the ball, scores the goals, assists. But he he works his tail off.
2: You know, I could have a whole, we could have a 40-minute episode with me just ranting about all the ways in which various UV managers have mismanaged star star attacking players over the years. <laughs> like I I really do strongly believe that like DiBala, obviously loves that club for the time that he was there, but especially towards the end, I feel like he was misused a lot of the time. And oh, I think yeah. that you can look at certain other players that are brought in and they feel they look misused too, like Kulisevsky um has been incredible with Tottenham and quite frankly, was misused at Juventus. And I would argue that I think pl- some other players uh, currently at Juve would be doing a lot better at other clubs. Uh, wow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think that, you know, as much as I would agree that while he was at Juventus, I didn't necessarily think of him as like a pacey guy. I also can't really judge a player too much based off of their performances with Juventus because there's so much of a, especially with attacking talent, expectation that they have to totally change their game to fit with the tactic as opposed to an acceptance by whatever manager is in charge that hey maybe I have a world-class talent and I should like let them play the way that they are able to be world-class that's just my two cents about the Juventus system I will say that DiBala has been fantastic in Rome uh, I think that you I don't think anyone could say otherwise uh, I saw a update from who scored that said he was the best player in Serie A so far this season and I would go I would go with that uh, honestly he's been not even just in terms of scoring goals he's been a influential player in terms of playmaking Uh he's been an influential player in terms of being a leader in the locker room already Um, I think that having a player of his caliber enter the locker room after a pretty successful season for Roma is helpful because it is it creates a situation where these guys who went and won Roma's first trophy in decades both get a new player who they're excited to play with a guy who they will all readily admit has won more already than them, but it also doesn't put them in a situation where they get too high on their own horses. Like he's Dybala has said from the get-go, I'm not setting expectations for what we're doing this season. If I say we're trying to win the Europa league, you all are going to say that's our goal and then criticize us if we don't get it the easiest way possible. And so I think that having someone who both raises a talent level and Makes sure that the other players at the club know that like getting the results that they want requires a lot of hard work is critical for Roma at this stage in, you know, the club project. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at, um, when he, after he scored, uh, went over to Vinia to celebrate. And that's not really a, at least from my perspective, that's not really a connection that I thought I would have seen on my screen play out, but it shows that he's really ingrained himself in this, into this team already. And, I agree that he's t- it seem seemingly taken up a leadership role, um, which is exactly what you want. And um, going back to his work rate, I, I've been very impressed with it. I think going back to the comment, Jimmy's comment on the UVA system, you look at players like Matthias delict post uh, transfer to Bayern, he said essentially, you know, UVA system didn't really play to my strengths. And if a defender is saying that, then imagine. The impact that that system's having on attacking players. So, um, but Dabala really seems at home here. He, I know, he mentioned that Mourinho's best coach in the world, as we all know. Um, so he's it, really taken to to being a Roma player, and that's exactly what you want from one of your star players.
1: Yeah, and he spoke after the match too, and, and so did Mourinho. And and one name that came up in both of their interview uh, post match quotes was on Zaniolo, and they both lauded Zaniolo for his desire to at least make the bench for this match. I'll read Mourinho's quote and then uh, Dybala's quote. He didn't get into the match, but I think it's telling. We saw him when D- Dybala was running toward the bench. He got to Dybala first before Vina. You saw the, the the joy on his face, right, after all the rumors linking him away, how he wasn't happy, this and that. And Mourinho said, what Zaniola did to be here with us tonight was incredible. He worked like an animal to be here. He took a risk. He is an example of what we need. And then I guess Dibalo was also asked about Zaniola. And he said, we knew it would be difficult for Nico to play this match. It's more than just professionalism. He showed his desire to be with us. So, I mean, if Zaniola really wasn't happy at Rome or he didn't want to stay around long-term, at least through this season and the foreseeable future, I mean, I don't think you see that kind of desire to to just bust his rear end in training and to rehab a from a dislocated shoulder to be there yesterday.
2: Can I just say something about all this Zaniolo nonsense, which I was feeling even during the summer when the rumors were at a peak, I really, there is a Zaniolo that exists in like the media. And there's a Zaniolo that exists from every indicator that we see on the pitch as a trainer at at training there. It's just like, it's almost like there are two different characters. Like the guy who shows up in the, in social media and in um, in the Italian journals, it's like they, they treat him like he's the second coming of Balotelli. And, mm. But when you t- hear people talk about him on the pitch, I've not heard a manager say a negative word about Zaniolo except for Mancini, who at one point said something along the lines of, he's got a lot of great talent, but because he's been injured, he's going to have to show that he's worthwhile still for the Italian setup, which is fair. He was injured for a really long time. Um, so I, I, I guess it was, it was always very frustrating to me to hear so much garbage about Zaniolo as like a teammate or as a player separate from his rumored desire to maybe go to Juventus or whatever. Like I've seen no indicators throughout his time in Roma that he doesn't is not willing to, you know, work his butt off for the club and for his teammates and it's nice to see further validation from that, both on the pitch and his actions and, you know, from his teammates and from his manager.
1: Yeah. Um, and then just a couple other things Mourinho said, and it was kind of echoed by Dybala was that the fact that Roma had to fight and, you know, Mourinho also talked about the mentality. He, You know, he talked about how winning last year, the conference league helped grow the mentality. It wasn't the Champions League, but it was important for Roma but expectations also rose when they signed a player like Dybala who's maybe if he was a better physical condition doesn't come to him maybe a bigger club you know scoops him up and but Mourinho did add we have to grow in other aspects there are players who have to learn to be more competitive and then he went into the Zaniolo um you know praise so that speaks a little bit about where Mourinho sees his team in certain players he didn't name anybody but I think Brandon you said you know he has that tendency to go after certain guys maybe in the locker room he's telling them in private but in general, he's speaking in generalities there. And there's, you know, something else that needs to be done. Um, Dybala said we have to be calm and play to the best of our abilities. We came off two losses and we had to react. This is what great teams do. And then he wouldn't get baited into saying what exactly Roma's uh, ambitions were for the season. Cause he said, if, you know, our goal is to win the Europa league, you'll see in the paper tomorrow, Roma want to win the Europa league and it'll create a whole nother, you know, media storm. So um but he said, we have to go slow and face every game with the right mentality. On Thursday, we have to win after last week's defeat. So they're saying the right things. We don't know who Mourinho is referring to. But I think, you know, seeing how Roma performed these last two weeks, we do see that that need to grow even more. You know, the Conference League was a start, but the growth needs to continue.
0: Honestly, I'm surprised Dybala even made the comment about if we say we want to win the Europa League. Because even that, you know, that some journalists would run with. Um and in terms of results, this, this one was huge because you are right outside the top four once again. And I think um, they they won't come out and say it, obviously. But top four is obviously a clear objective. Going as deep as they can into the Europa League is a clear objective. So as long as they're right right around the that top four mark, keeping up with the pack, I think they're probably – You know, satisfied with the progress they're making. Obviously, you can always you always want to strive for more, but I think in terms of uh, long term goals, I think they're they're satisfied. That's why this result was so huge because going up against Atalanta on Sunday, um, you have a top and all the top five teams, top five, top six teams. I think are playing each other, so a couple of draws and the other matches go your way. You get a win. And then there you are back at the top of the table and um, all the journalists are freaking out again. And then you have to deal with that media storm again. But um, that is to say like, that's exactly why this result was so crucial. So hats off to them for getting it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Big result. One guy I want to praise before we move on to the Atalanta match that's coming up for the last few minutes is Roger has got his first call up to the Brazilian national yeah. team drew the penalty I, and I watched I, I watch the game in, in kind of fits and starts because I caught the ending before I could see the beginning because of work. But, man, Ibanez packed the stuff sheet, uh, stuff, the stat sheet, rather. He had eight clearances, six tackles and interceptions, and then had 13 ball recoveries, which led the team. I mean, he's been playing really well. He did have a little hiccup in that Ludegretz match where he was, you know, partly responsible for that second goal. But other than that, he's been very solid this year and deserves that call up to Brazil. I've been hurt so many times before by um, Brazilian
2: defenders playing in Rome in terms of them having a world-class season and then departing for greener pastures. I respect him for it, honestly, because, you know, if I didn't have a particular connection to Roma, I would also probably go for the bigger paycheck at some point in my career. But I also do think that it's if he keeps playing like this, some Premier League team is going to drop like 80 million euros on him next season next summer like i i could see that happening and he's been fantastic and he like this this match against empoli in particular was just a masterful showcase from him very impressed
0: you know what it is he saw that we had him only at number two (laughs) (laughs) the hell with this and decide how yeah, Zaniolo
1: now the rest of the season
0: yeah because
2: I think he's been number two behind Zaniolo like for years <laughs> every like every single year that he's been at the club <laughs> which which obviously would probably annoy him a little bit as much as it seemed obviously everyone knows what a talent Nicolo is as well
1: yeah I mean my buddy because he was eligible for Italy too and decided to take that Brazil call He goes, you know why would Italy want him I said well you know he has his he's had his mental errors in the past but the the physical tools are all there and he's He's been showing that, and I think we're working with Mourinho has been you know, doing wonders for him. So Sunday, Roma faces his ex-club, Atalanta. Before that, they have Helsinki at the Olimpico. We won't spend too much time on that because there won't be much shelf life to this before then, but that's a must-win. I think you guys would agree, must-win against Helsinki. Thursday, probably see a little rotation. Big matches Sunday against Atalanta at the Olympico, noon Eastern, uh, 1,800 hours at European time, Central European time in Rome. Brandon referenced the rest of the calendar, Udinese host Inter. Udinese is level with Roma right now. Inter is a point behind, I believe. Um, and then the other big one right after the Roma match is Milan hosting Napoli. So there are opportunities for Roma to pick up some points. Uh, maybe you get three points. Atalanta is a point ahead of Roma. So right now it's tight. Napoli, Atalanta, Milan on 14. Udinese, Roma on 13. Inter on 12. Lazio 11. And then it's Juve and Torino on 10. So obviously only six matches, so you're going to have that cluster. But big weekend in terms of potential here.
2: I want it to be noted about this Atalanta match that Atalanta have only really played Milan in terms of big clubs so far. Um, Granted, we've only really played Juventus, uh, but at the same time, as impressive as it is to be, you know, unbeaten so far through six matches played. uh, I'm not out of all the big clubs and I think of Atalanta now nominally as a big club just because of their recent success uh like maybe the seventh biggest club, you know, behind the traditional big six. Um, I'm not as worried about this match as I would be otherwise. It also helps that we beat the crap out of them <laughs> last season. Um I, I think that this will probably end up being a win for Roma. And that top of the table looks like it's going to be tight for a long time. I, I don't see anyone pulling
1: away for a while. Yeah, the inconsistencies across the board are, are certainly there.
0: Yeah, I don't. I'm not gonna go as far as to predict a win, um, just because um, you guys know by now that I'm naturally a pessimistic fan, <laughs> much to Jimmy's chagrin sometimes. But um, I think I think it's crucial to to at least get a, a draw um, in this match. You can't you can't lose this match, and then you have Inter right after, who yeah. I think I read that. They are expecting Lukaku back for the match against Real Madrid yes,
1: because it's not till October 1st because of be the international break. So,
0: right. So, it's really essentially a must win, particularly if you have any desire to, um, you know, push for the title come seasons. And this, these are the type of matches you have to win. Um, I think across the two games, if they get four points, I would be ecstatic. But you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But in terms of Sunday, I think they have, a, they do have a shot, especially with Nicola returning. Um, I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get back. So it could either be one of those games where Roma concede very early once again and we're in for, you know, 90 minutes of cursing at our TVs or it's another opportunity for Zaniolo to run rough shot over, um, you know, some backpedaling defenders and uh, hopefully get us all three points.
1: Yeah, it, it'll be a big one. We, you know, Rumble won the first match at Atalanta 4-1 emphatically at, with that Tammy Abraham first-minute goal, and then it was on in 27th, and they they kind of just ran away. Um, the second match of the Olympico was tighter, one nothing off uh, Tammy goal a little before halftime. So it'll be interesting to see if Mourinho can game plan again to shut down Atalanta's attack, because the only goal they gave up last season Atalanta was a Cristante own goal. I think you're right about Zaniolo. I think that'll be a big, you know, return. I think he gets some minutes on Thursday, whether it's a start or maybe comes in the second half just to find his legs a bit. But I think in that match, you have to revert back to the, you know, Tammy with Zaniolo and um, Dybala behind him. And you slide Pellegrini into the deeper midfield role with one of those more defensive guys like Matic. And then you go at him, I think. I think Roma's going to probably look to play on the counter a little bit. And and you, that's where they hurt Adelante last season. And having Zaniolo back could be huge for that. I think that's that's probably what we're looking at. I'm I'm not gonna predict a win either. I don't wanna be the, you know, the jinx. So I'll stick with Brandon, not make a prediction. But I think in terms of what matches need to be won, having this match at home, this is one where if you're gonna finish top four, this is one where you three points will go a long way. You know, going two inter after the break, then you know, a draw bait maybe becomes a little more reasonable, um, depending on what kind of form inter is in at that point. But they've shown their, you know, the kinks in their armor so far too. They've had a couple Poor results. So it's gonna be a big weekend. Um, you know, really looking forward to to Roma getting Zaniolo back, full strength, and really getting the attack on because Dybala's been great. And uh, you know, maybe dropping Pellegrini deeper in the midfield kind of gets the best out of him again. Uh, because he's had a couple rough matches and and we'll see where it goes. Don't tell some uh, people.
2: Don't tell some people. (laughs) Some people do not like, some people do not like (laughs) dropping him into the midfield. But I, I I gotta be honest considering our lack of if do you really want mattić cristante again no. i don't
1: matich looked gassed <laughs> so, about the 60th minute i was shocked he didn't get pulled um just for sheer exhaustion yes i think it was about the 60 65th minute they they panned to him at one point i was like holy crap he looks tired and the same with Spinazola at one point and they they you know they busted it for 90 almost uh, i think they both played close to the whole match if not the whole match I mean, we but, don't have uh, right
2: now that's the problem
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, Vini got a little cameo for Spina's told in the 90 plus seven just to kill a little time. That was so funny. played the whole match. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He got on <laughs> the pitch, right? I mean, good for him.
0: I will say, and this is the only thing I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to expand, but it's safe to say that Pellegrini failed his audition to supplant Zaniolo from, you know, those forward positions. I'll just say that.
2: Maybe that's because he's not a forward.
0: <laughs> what I, I <laughs> never thought he was but some people
1: I will say I thought the attacking midfield role suited him best after last season but maybe with Dybala there um you kind of see some of the creative We yeah, have too many you know, superstar
2: yeah. level attacking talents there, there's only so much space in that attacking midfielder role and when Zaniolo's back I want him with DiBala behind Abraham and I want Pellegrini with probably Cristante in midfield on a regular basis that'll make and him I
1: think game. with Wijnaldum hurt I think Pellegrini dropping back makes the most sense alongside one of those guys you know yeah. Kamara could play some matches maybe Bobe can play a match here or there but I think it makes the most sense for Roma right now uh considering the Wijnaldum injury because you know like they said Kamara was a, a sort of a panic buy for that reason they need to fill that role so we'll see where it goes but guys anything you want to leave the listeners with ahead of uh Helsinki and Atalanta
0: when when all of them comes back, it's Pellegrini to the bench. I'm sorry to say.
2: I'd love to do a trip to Helsinki at one point. <laughs> so if uh, if SB Nation wants to give us a trip for the uh, for one of those visits to Helsinki, if we want, do you want to go to Finland, Finland, Brandon? I'm done. Yeah, let's go to Finland. Yeah.
1: <laughs> bring the bring
0: the podcast on the road. We'll, we'll be like that fan that ran onto the field to celebrate with Abraham.
1: All right, guys, we'll leave it there. We'll see if these guys get to go to Helsinki on SB's budget. I doubt it. But we'll catch you guys next week after these two matches and hopefully two Roma victories. So thanks again for listening.